0: It is so exciting to get to be with you tonight. And uh, I understand that the service is a little different um, just because of the youth conference going on. But man, whether it's full or you have other things going on, it's awesome to get to assemble together. And my heart is so full, Just just having the opportunity to be a part of this service tonight. So pastor, thank you for that. I was already planning on mentioning this, um, when we moved here in 2002, we didn't come like a lot of students do you here for the school year and then go. We, we moved our lives here to Oklahoma City, and we're just going to be here until God led us elsewhere. And so Southwest was our family. I remember um, maybe in our second or third year teaching a VBS class with Pastor Gaddis and just all sorts of things. Brother Ted having to encourage me and figuring out life many times. And uh, the things that Andrea couldn't fix, he and others had to try to fix. So I'm just, I'm so, I'm so thankful for it. And a lot, of, a lot of people here are so special to us. And, and obviously the, the college made a significant difference in our lives, but I would say as much of a difference was the life of this church. And, and the, way that, the way that you are behind your pastor in that vision the way that you pour yourselves into just being faithful members being a faithful part of the body the way you get behind things like a youth conference the reach of that goes farther than you'll ever be able to measure in your life and so thank you for that investment and and, and i'm you know you you have so many different people come through but it is so important that you hear this that what god allows you to be invested in by your faithfulness to be here on a Wednesday night. It reaches, it reaches so far into the work of God. And, and I'm thankful that. I got I to gotta give a quick shout out. I'm glad to have my mom here. She came with her church and then thankful for my mama, appreciate her. And she's sitting back uh, by Roscoe and Camilla. They're basically grandparents uh, to us. He doesn't want to claim me, but he has an attitude problem, as y'all know. And so that's. That's okay. And I, I forgot to tell them, I actually have a special announcement. Is it okay if I move this? So I have a, I have a special announcement. Um, the, the Lord just worked it out. We, we had uh, four, four children at the Mitchell's house. It's a Mitchell Birthing Center. It's a long story. Ask them about it. They love to tell it, especially Roscoe. But we're actually expecting our ninth and tenth. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> No, I'm just trying to mess with them. Love, love so many of you. I was talking to Brother Don. Brother Don Bigelow worked with us and was such an encouragement when we served in the primary department. And my, my heart's just so full getting to be here tonight. So thank you for the privilege, Pastor. Thank you. And then to the guests that are here, it's a great church family. It's a great church family. And so come back. On Sunday, uh, when Pastor will be preaching and other staff, and just be a part of that. It's such a great church family to get plugged into. All right, so if you have your Bibles, please open them to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Preacher was asking me, Did I bring snacks? Is it going to be that long? No, <laughs> it's not. Matthew chapter 25, and let's start in verse number 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability— And straightway took his journey. This is important. Please notice, he does not give explanation to the servants why some have five, some have two, and some have one. Just gave to them what he knew would be best. And then he goes his way. Verse 16 Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He was productive, he was useful. And then notice this, I love verse number 17. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. He was productive. He invested it. He was useful with it. Then in verse 18, we see a transition. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came And brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Again, a great observation. His response to the one with two is exactly the same as his response to the one with five. His Lord said unto him in verse 23, "'Well done, good and faithful servant.'" Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. One more observation. It's not really a part of the message, but the way the master evaluates what he gave to each servant is the same. To the one with five, I gave you a few things. To the one with two, I gave you a few things. Can I encourage you with this? The kingdom of work of God is far bigger and far more expansive than any one individual or work. So big. So that even what we think is big, God's like, I've given you a few and you've been faithful with it. Then he, in verse 24, which had received the one talent, came and said, and this is typical of people who don't want to accept responsibility. They blame authority. Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. Actually, Actually, he's not a hard man. He gave opportunity and he's been very generous with the ones who were faithful. That's not a hard man. That's a generous master. Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent. You see, he doesn't even want to accept responsibility for what he was entrusted with. I went and hid thy talent in the earth, lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give unto him which hath ten. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And you say, well, it doesn't seem fair that, that he that hath not... it it should be taken away. No, he hath not because he wasn't faithful with what he originally had. Verse 30, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the title is simply this. Quantity versus quality. You can't control one, but you can control the other. Sometimes you have limited control over, but this is what we know. I mean, you want to talk about finances, you want to talk about a house, you want to talk about life, you want to talk about health. Really, our control over one can change in a moment. But what we do with it, that's what we ultimately have control over. Father, I'm so glad to be with a church, with a a church that I still consider a part of my own family and my own spiritual heritage. And I couldn't begin to describe to them how deeply they have affected Andrea and I. And I, I think about, Lord, how, how I have a daughter that comes here during the school year. And that daughter spent many months in nursery and classrooms. And God, I'm just I'm so full for what this church has meant to me. And I, I believe in part you've used it so much because of the principle that we'll talk about tonight. And I pray that for each individual, I can't it's not my job to know where everyone is at in life or their relationship to you. Lord, whether member or guest, whether frequent, attender, or very new, God, on this Wednesday night, I pray that you would speak to us and you would both encourage and and challenge and convict where it's necessary. And God, may we know that even in these brief moments that you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So Pastor mentioned that we have eight children, Um, uh, Alexandra, who's uh, beginning her sophomore year this next year. And then Ashlyn, Jason, Jaden, Addison, and then Justin, Jackson and Jaron, five boys and uh, three girls. So around our house, there is a intense competition for food. And uh, they're growing, and they're teenagers. And in particular, there is an intense competition, not for carrot sticks and broccoli, but there's an intense competition for ice cream. I mean, I like ice cream. Like, I like ice cream. No, you don't understand. I like ice cream. No, you, you, you still don't understand. I like ice cream. I, I really, I really... I really like ice cream. It's a blessing. It's a gift. I'm thankful for it. Man, we thank God for the good stuff. Ask Brother Ted. He loves ice cream. I tried to share my milkshake with him the other day. And I think you should pray for him about that. Anyway, man, I love, I love ice cream. In in our house, we, we are not a constitutional government. It's a dictatorship. My children don't have voting rights. My children do not have representation. You have at the top me and mama and then them. And they're not even close. They're way down low. And so when it, when it comes to ice cream, I don't ask them what they want. I just give them what I'm going to give them. And so it's like, okay, here's your ice cream. And then I get this ice cream. You say, that's not fair. Well, this is what I tell them. They say the same thing. I'm like, here's what you do. You get a job buy your own house. I'll bring you ice cream. Get as much as you want then. I don't don't ask them for permission to be their father. Now look, I'm being a little bit silly, but when it's 8.30 at night and you know they go to bed, you know they got to go to bed, you don't want to fill them with a bunch of sugar. You also, you know, we have to pay for dentist bills and too much ice cream can affect that. I want them to have a balanced diet. I want their bodies to grow. And so I'm a little bit silly for the sake of the illustration, but whatever my motive is, I do not ask them for permission to distribute to them whatever amount of ice cream I'm going to distribute to them. I simply, according to either my wisdom or my gluttony, whatever it is, it's not even their job to worry about that. I simply distribute to them the amount of ice cream. And so there's a point in there where they have to take responsibility. They can spend their time looking at what they don't have. Okay, as they get older, the bowl gets a little bigger. Behavior improves, or we have a good day, get a lot of schoolwork done, things are going well, you know, you reward, you ought to affirm good behavior in your children. You ought not just correct the bad, you ought to affirm good behavior. So maybe you get a little more as they get older and they start looking at, or Jaron, who is six, start, starts looking at Jason's, who is 16, looking at Jason's bowl and saying, well, well, why don't I have that? And so they can spend their time looking at what they don't have. And here's what happens with ice cream when you don't enjoy it. It melts. And then when you have a six-year-old with one hand walking around the house whining about his lack of ice cream, it turns into liquid, and he just leaves a trail of whininess all over the place. (laughs) So you can make, you can can spend the whole time looking at what you don't have, or you can say this, Dad, thanks for the ice cream. Mom, before you gave me this, I didn't have anything. So... (laughs) So thank you for the ice cream. In our our text, we're told that there is a master. I'm thankful that Jesus is a lot of things to us. He is our God. He is our creator. He is our savior. He is our friend. Mm, Please don't ever lose sight of that. That the God who created and died and rose again, he's not just the one who picked you up. He's brought you out of the miry clay. He is the one who holds you close, even when you don't know he is. That testimony of Miss Hannah just moves my heart. Every time I've been able to hear her sing that song a couple of times, and you can, still, you can see that she still feels that. But isn't it amazing, the grace of God in those moments, to know that Jesus holds you, even when you are struggling to breathe. He is our friend. I'm so thankful for that. But he's also our master. This is, a, this is a problem in Christianity today. We live in two extremes, where we either view God as this brutal dictator who just pounds us on the head, or we view him, and, I, and I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but this is really becoming a view where it's like, yo, what's up? He's not either of those. He is the holy God, but he's made himself accessible to us. He is both our friend and he's our master. He can be both. My children, they just think I'm mean sometimes. They can't begin to understand how much I love them. Yeah. No, no, this is what they do. They measure my love for them based on this when they're immature. But in fact, sometimes this is because I love them. No, they measure it by, based on what they do have or they don't have. Please understand, I'm not asking permission. I still love them. Jesus isn't just our friend and Savior. Jesus tonight... If you're saved in a child of God, Jesus is your master. He doesn't need permission to tell you what to do. He doesn't ask for your agreement to allow or to bring things or whatever the case is, what he's given, what he's distributed to. He is your master. So in the text, we see the master, but then we see three servants. I thought it'd be fun on a Wednesday night. To illustrate this, not just with the ice cream, but actually have some uh, amazing men come help me. So, the first one is Pastor. He's going to come help me for a minute. So, Pastor, you come up here. The Master gave to one servant five. I love this about Pastor Gaddis, five talent guy. No, he is. He's a blessing. I love him. He's my friend. He was my mentor and my teacher. I'm so thankful that I get to call him my friend. I learned from him. I'm sharpened by him. I love him. I love, for, I love his family. I am thankful for him. Five-talent guy. Brother Caleb, can you hustle up here a little bit faster? So this, bro, this guy has five talents. You say, well, why does he, why, why does he have five talents? You ready? Go ahead and come up, bro. Thank you. Because God gave it to him. Are you asking me? Because I don't know. I don't know. Yes, God gave that to him. Then we have a guy over here. Can you come right over here? No, let's come over here because I want to save the middle spot for someone special. <laughs> you get two talents. Are you, you just graduated, right? And you're going into the masters, right? Two talent guy, sings well. He's over six foot. So any, to me, anybody that's tall like that automatically has more ability than I do. I mean, I spent my life looking up like, God, you could really use me if I was taller. Anyway, sorry, that's just my own struggle. I'm I'm still looking at what I don't have anyway. (laughs) This guy, this guy has, he has two talents. Ask me, ask me, why does he have two? I don't know, but he can sing and he's intelligent and he's going through ministry. And uh, do you have a girlfriend yet? Oh, my fiance, so man, maybe you got three. Sorry, that, praise the Lord. Whatever it is, he's, he's got some, don't you say, why, why, does, why does he have that? Because the master gave it to him. The, the text doesn't say he was loved more and he was loved less. It just said the master, according to his wisdom, he knows that this is my purpose for you. And this is my purpose for you. And I, I think about the words, I think, it's, I think it's Proverbs 30, 30 with King Agur He said, feed me with bread that is convenient for me. You know, God knows exactly what we need in order to help us be faithful and to live our lives in a, in a way that's gonna make the most eternal difference. So he gives, he gives him five and then he gives him two. And then he has another guy. Man, for years, I gotta pause for a moment. Most everybody here has been a blessing in my life that knows me. Just, I love you. But there's this, you know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And, the, and there's this dude that just, I mean, his family's great. His wife's great. I don't know why she married him. His kids are amazing. My daughters are close to some of his daughters. But he just bothered me. He just, he just, he just made life hard. And so I'm looking around, I'm like, man, who can illustrate this? One talent guy, just like they don't look like very much. I'm like, oh, Brother Dean can. Come on, Brother Dean. Let's go. Yes. Look, I've been waiting for this moment for so many years. Y'all don't even understand. No, no, no. Come on. Don't we? No, we got to illustrate the truth, bro. Let's go. I love you in spite of what you've done to me. No, the pulpit's in the way. People need to see your glory and splendor oh, yeah, right here. Right. And you'll pay for this. <laughs> one shot. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shoot both barrels. <laughs> and so okay. So I mean like five talent, two talent. <laughs> one talent. Sorry, three talent. Two. What you got you got one talent. Again, ask me why he has one talent. I don't know, but, but by, okay, I told him I would explain this. He obviously, as a leader in the church, and Brother Dean is a blessing, but please don't feel bad for him. He deserves so much more than what I'm doing right now. Um, he was actually scheduled to do parking lot duty because there was a hole. And then I saw him and I'm like, I gotta get brother Dean up there. And so I basically begged and then pastor helped me. And so he's, this is why he is like this. Normally he would be wearing a suit and tie, but it illustrates the point so marvelously. (laughs) Five, two, and one. Hey, please, please get this. This is, this is, okay, I know I'm being silly, but please get this. God, the, in the text, God did not say that that servant or that servant, either one of them were more valuable than that servant. Right. You know, we, we have a problem in our culture, especially in American culture, and we can even be guilty of this in churches. We evaluate the worth of someone based on what we can sense. We base uh, someone's value to the eternal kingdom based on our human standards of measurement. But God looks at the one with five and said, I've given you five and I'm not explaining it. I've just given you five. And then God says, I'm giving you two and I'm not explaining it. I'm just giving you two. And then God says, I'm giving you one. And I'm not, I'm not explaining that. I'm just, I'm giving you these five. And then you've got to get this. He is going to return and either you're going to die and your time on this earth is going to end or the Lord is going Going to return and take us all to heaven, but you are going to answer because in the text, the master comes back and he takes an account for exactly what he has given to those servants. And so he says to the five, man, I've, I've been faithful. Thanks for the help. And so he gives him, he gives him five more. Generous, isn't he? Man, he's so generous. I just, I just want to give testimony to this. I'm like, I'm I'm amazed at the generosity of God. (laughs) How good He is, and 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 many times, listen. Many times we don't have to wait. There's so it's heaven. We can't. Oh, amazing! But many times we get to experience a little bit of that down here. Amazing. So He gives him five. Then he, this guy. Hey, I I was faithful. Made made four. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. And then he comes to this guy. And again, please note, he doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, no, because you had five and because you two had two. No, he said, you've been faithful in a few. I'll make you ruler over more. I'll give you more. So he comes, I want, I want an account. And so this guy, he's, you're a hard dude. I know, what, I know what kind of master you are. You're a hard man, and you, you expect. Okay, this is such a great point. Does God have expectations of us? Yes. This has nothing to do with salvation. This is it. We are not saved based on what we do with the life that he gives us. We are saved only. We are sta- saved exclusively and we are kept saved exclusively by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation. But if he was so generous in salvation, it's pretty fair for him to expect us to live our lives for him. Amen. So he's not a hard man. This guy just has a hard heart. So he's like, I, look, I, I, I went and hit it because I know what kind of master you are. We can spend our lives pointing the finger at God or other people. Or we can instead ask ourselves, what kind of Christian am I? We want to deflect and say, I know what kind of man you are. I know what kind of master you are. But actually, we ought to, before we have critical thoughts about God, or others, we ought to first start with ourselves and say, "What kind of person am I being? What am I doing with my faith and with my life?" And so he says, "I went and hit it." Thanks, Brother Dean. Look, I really do love you. Thanks, bro. Wow. Yeah, so sweet. It's a blessing. But, D, I hope I hope you can see this. None of them controlled the quantity. You know what they did control? The quality. It wasn't, it wasn't for them to sit there and say, well, I'm six foot. Why don't I get a bigger bowl? No, it wasn't for them to say, yeah, I'm obviously better than everybody. And I, Man, I hope you know this. I'm sure you do, but in case you don't, I love how approachable and real and humble Pastor Gaddis is, Brother Ted, the staff, the leadership here, just recognizing that the position God puts us in does not determine our value. And you come. Guess this is why. This is one of the reasons this church is such a blessing. Because you're not measured by the size of the bowl in your life. You're valuable because Jesus died for you. And I'm thankful for that. Man, I'm, 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 man, obviously I'm, yeah, better. No, they, they didn't control that. They simply had the responsibility to say, Master, this is what you've given us. I'm going to do my best to make it productive. God controls the quantity. You control the quality. Please get this. This is a lie in our culture. Quantity determines quality. No, it doesn't. You can't control what you don't have. You can't control everything that others do to you. You, there might be things that have happened in your past that you aren't responsible for or maybe that maybe bad decisions that you've made and they can't be, under, can't be undone. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. You can only control this moment and what you do with the opportunity that you've been given. I love the story of Booker T. Washington. He was born into slavery in 1856. His biological father was a white man that was unknown to him. So you get the story right there. A man in power takes advantage of a woman that's under him for his own gain. At the age of nine, he was freed along with his mother and siblings at the conclusion of the Civil War. His mother moved the family to West Virginia where she married a freed black man named Washington Ferguson. Booker, now get this. You think some of you are feeling sorry for my kids over the ice cream illustration? Check this little fact out. Booker was only allowed to go to school after he had worked from 4 to 9 a.m. each morning in a local salt works. He also had a second job in a coal mine. 10, 11 12, 13, and 14. It was there in that coal mine that he heard about the Hampton Hampton Institute in Richmond, Virginia. That was excuse me, committed to the education of formerly enslaved peoples. And in 1872, at the age of 16, this point is so convicting, I love it. So he's at nine, he, he has a man that comes into his life who is obviously conser- a good man and providing and concerned about him working. And he wants to go to school. He wants to be educated, but he has to, he has to work from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m., then out, go to school, then after school. He doesn't get to play video games. He doesn't get to go to sports practice. He gets to go work in a coal mine. And so through all of that labor, he works, and then at the age of 16, he walks 500 miles to enroll in that institute, became an excellent student. He would go on to become one of the most influential thinkers and leaders in the 19th century America, making huge advances in education, botany, and farming. He was the first black man to be invited to the White House where he was an advisor to both President Theodore Roosevelt and President Howard Taft. He was massively influential in the Tuskegee Institute for 25 years. He literally went from a peasant to a counselor of presidents. You know what Booker started off with? Less than this. You know what he didn't do? He didn't sit around saying, Why don't I have that? He lived his life trying to make the most of what he had. And I believe this before God. I believe it happens in life, not just in the reward system in heaven. That when we begin to be faithful with this, suddenly this becomes this. And then we keep being faithful. And then one day you went from being a slave who didn't know who his dad was to one day you're being a counselor to presidents. Why? God controls, he allows the quantity. But you, you and I, as his children, have control over the quality of it. In America today, people live with unmatched quality in their lives and are producing quantity, but are producing far less quality with it. But there's a greater tragedy than just what's going on in America. It's in Christianity, we enjoy unmatched quantity and produce far less quality at times. The quantity of the grace of God through the cross, the quantity of opportunity to serve, the quantity of access to the word of God. And we, and we, we forget how easy it is to access services like this, or a church like this, or ministry like this, The quantity of people to invest in us, the quantity to have a church family that rallies around you and that loves you and supports you, the quantity of biblical information and education. And for far too long, American believers have begun to focus more on the lack of what they have instead of of focusing on making the most of what God allows them to have. So let me give you just a few thoughts. And then, and then I'll wrap it up. Number one, God does control the quantity of your life. I, I know this is sensitive. I just, we need to be real about it. God controls the quantity. I mean, Andrea and I were blessed with eight children, all of them healthy, minor complications in just a couple of situations. No, no other difficulty. There's a family in our church that that serves faithfully. They've been married for over 10 years and they have yet to have a baby, have had miscarriages, have had challenges. And when I meet with them, when I love on them, when I pray with them, when I pray for them, I have to just acknowledge to them, I don't understand why it's this way for us and this way for y'all. God is in charge of those things. I don't understand it. I know, I do know this, just because you might have this doesn't mean you sinned. No, can your sin contribute to that? Yes, but there's a whole lot of times that we look at this and we say, obviously they did something wrong. No, sometimes God just says, you're gonna get one for this season. It has nothing to do with someone's behavior or attitude. Some people, they grow up and healthy and strong and live long lives. And then some people, like a friend of mine, as I ministered in Stillwater on staff, whose name you've heard, Kalen he he has a different journey that God allows him to take. I don't, I don't understand why it is. You're gonna you have two people who work just as hard and God says, I'm gonna bless you with this and others, I'm gonna bless you with that. And it has nothing to do with the lack of work ethic. It has nothing to do with the lack of preparation. There are just some times when God says, you're going to have this and you're going to have this. God determines the quantity in our lives. It's just, let me talk about pastoring. Man, pastors are guilty of this too. You spend your ministry and your life looking around at what you don't have in a church and what you don't get to do instead of being amazed that the eternal God would let you have anything to do with his ministry. It's amazing. And God controls the quantity. Number two, the value of your life is not determined by the quantity of it, you're valuable. It, it, it is, it's good. For the people with five to hear this, these people are just as valuable before God. Amen. Yeah. No, I know you know this, but, but sometimes we can just get distracted and we, we can think and sometimes either condescension can creep in or jealousy can creep in. Man, folks, that you look at your life and you would say, man, I'm just kind of a one talent. I'm a small bull kind of life. For whatever reasons, you would say that. You you need to guard your heart against jealousy and envy because the same Jesus that died for them is the same Jesus that died for you. He doesn't measure your value based on what you don't have. He measures your value based on the fact that you are. I love it. Number two, or number three, sorry. God does not reward based on what you don't have or based on who has more. He rewards you based on what you do with what you have. What you do with what you've been given. The two servants in our text weren't called faithful because they had more. They were called faithful because of what they did with the five and the two respectively. And I'm thankful for this pastor that even the one talent can hear the same statement from the master. Amen. Well done. man! The goodness and the generosity of God's grading system. I'm not asking you to be something that you're not. I'm asking you to be faithful with what you are. I, um, I, had, to, I had to ask me say, Ms. Gaddis to remind me that the the real people. And you know, this can happen in life. You can start off having a five. But then just over time, you can feel like, man, I just can't do the things that I used to do. Can I encourage you with this? You still have immense value. You cannot put a price tag. And I'm not saying this is how I see you. I'm saying this is how you can see yourself. You have a wealth of wisdom. And I believe this, but I believe this, this is is not an amen point, that the prayers of the saints whose mobility is diminished and whose energy has declined, those prayers are just as effective, maybe as 100 people with far more energy going through a whole lot of motion that doesn't have the power of God on it. And to those of you that feel like, man, my life is just turned into this. Listen, listen, listen. You have so much value before God. Here's what you determine. The quality. You're responsible for what you do. And you will be held accountable. It's not negating the fact. my, My friends, I'm not negating the fact that there are adversities and unexplainable trials, difficult circumstances. Unfair realities, but the existence of difficulty in your life does not negate God's expectation for how you live your life. The couple that I, the couple that I, I referenced, I shared just a little bit more about them. They're both Bible college graduates. They. They lead our children's ministry. I've had people, man, God's doing, God's God's just blessing at our church. I'm so humbled by it. I've had people say this to me. We, We are so thankful to find a church with this kind of children's ministry. And this is what I say to that couple. I don't know why God hasn't given you your children like you want but you can still have an influence in children. Amen. And there's some bus kids that have gotten saved. And You know what's happening in their life? They're treating a one like it's a five yes. and God's turning it into a five through the life of West Valley Baptist Church. Good. So incredible what God can do. Amen. You control the quantity the quality, excuse me, of your life. Last point, and then I'll ask you to give a couple of warnings. This has a generational effect. And, and I won't labor long here, but please get this. You will teach your children to either make the most or make excuses. Right now, we have our young, your young people are at YouthCon and so many other young people are at YouthCon right now. You need to develop in your homes an attitude and you need to raise your children in such a way that you don't make excuses, you make the most. And you demonstrate that by your response to the things that God allows into your life and by the, by the responsibility that you accept for what you do with your life and by your faithfulness. And can I tell you, I love Wednesday nights. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that when you know a big event is going on and you know this service will be a little different, that you're still here and you're still being locked in and God sees that. And we want to be believers that make the most, not excuses. God controls the quantity. You are responsible for the quality of it. Here's, here's why we don't do that. Just a couple of things. Number one, we can be resentful or bitter for what we don't have. Number two, we can compare. We overvalue ourselves or undervalue. It, as a caution, just because God elevates you doesn't mean you can't fall. David went from running in the caves to being the king, but he didn't stay there, he still had the position. But things rapidly digressed in his life because he wasn't faithful with what he had. So a couple of questions. What quantity do you wish you had? Wish you had better health? Wish you had a different job? And and there's a process for pursuing things the right way. But even when you pursue things the right way, for example, the couple with children, you don't always get the things that you pursue the right way. What is the quantity that you want more of? That's the question that we spend so much time. I wish I had better health and I'm trying to make the mu- I, I I'm trying to be healthy, but, but I wish I had better of that. I wish I, wish I had more money. Man, I, I, I am amazed at the gas prices here. I forgot how awesome it was to live in Oklahoma. Man, I know it's been hard everywhere, but come to Idaho, it's not as bad as California. What do you, you need more money. You want, it, you want a different opportunity in the ministry. You, you want, you're wanting something in a relationship. I mean, you can apply this to so many things. I wish I had this or I wish this was, this was different. But if you're asking yourself and you're focusing on wh- what quantity do I want differently? The, the better question to ask is this. What am I doing with the quantity that I've been given? Amen. Live there. And God will, in his own way and time, bring you to here. Live where you focus. And I don't know how he'll do it, when he'll do it. It's not a blank check, because sometimes it happens in degrees in this life. Sometimes it happens in heaven. God's in charge of all of those things. But live where you're saying, God, help me to make the most of what I have. And he'll turn that into so much more in your life. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. God controls the quantity. You control the quality. Church family, thank you for being attentive. I just want to ask a couple of questions. Ask you to be responsive. I know it's a Wednesday night. Just want to ask a couple of questions. Ask you to be responsive to them. Number one, is there quantity in your life? Would you be honest about this? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there quantity in your life that you wish was different? And you've even tried to make it different. Would you raise your hand and say, yeah, there are areas tonight where I wish, yep, I see them. They're going up. God bless you for your honesty. I wish it was different. Yep, I see it. Can I ask a second question? How many of you would say there are areas in my life where I have either made excuses or focused more on what I don't have instead of making the most? Maybe it has to do with my marriage. I spend more time complaining about my wife instead of being a better husband. I spend more time being critical of my parents instead of being a better child. Maybe it's as a church member, spend more time being critical of decisions that are made instead of being invested. It can be your job. It can be your health. But how many of you say there are areas where I know I need to do better, focusing on making the most rather than making excuses? Would you raise your hand? So tonight, can we just respond to the Lord? The God who works at YouthCon is the same God who wants to work and help in your life. And can I, but please get this. I am I, not trying to be dramatic or exaggerate. But what makes YouthCon possible is a church where there are individuals that take responsibility for things like this. So tonight, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, would you respond? I'm going to pray and then we'll stand and the music will begin. But if God has spoken to you, give him the courtesy of a response. Father, thank you for tonight. I'm so glad that we can be together. God, I love this church for personal reasons. I love these people, but Father, you love them more and you want to work in their hearts. And so for this moment, if you've spoken to any one of them, I pray that you would help them to be responsive to you. And, and God, where, they, where, they, where the quantity can be improved, help them to do it to the best of their ability. But where it's obvious in their life that this is a season they have to go through or this is something that they can't control. God, instead of making, them, making excuses, help them to make the most. Help them to pass on that faith to generations to come. So Lord, please bless in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. The piano will play, Brother Ted will sing. If God has spoken to your heart, while we have a brief moment of invitation, you respond to the Lord.